Okay, Chuck, are you ready? Have we only have one shot? We gotta make this work. Uh, wait, you didn't just give just me just read your lines. I'll oh. give you the paper. Oh. Okay. okay, are you guys ready? Are you ready? Oh, All right. Uh, okay. uh, um, are you ready to deconstruct with friends? What the, what the hell? Where did, where did all this come from? <laughs> Deconstructing your faith used to be lonely you got a band? and boring as hell. Wait, wait, wait. But no one must wait. deconstruct their faith alone ever again when you oh. deconstruct with friends. Um, Chuck, tell them what we mean. Um, yeah, that's, that's right, Brady. Yeah. Uh, the life after has a... Uh, uh, what the hell, Brady? Uh, I went full on Jumanji on this one. But keep going. He's a rental by the hour. The the Life After podcast has a secret Facebook community and Slack yeah. channel for people deconstructing the, the uh, Christian fundamentalism and other oppressive religions. Uh, meet new people and and, elephants. Uh, and deconstruct with, with friends. friends. <laughs> nice job, Chuck. You even got the echo. Uh, thanks. Uh, that was kind of cool, I guess. Oh god, he's touching me with his trunk. Uh, you can apply for the secret group it's on, our on our Facebook by answering three entrance questions. Your membership is hidden, and the admins keep the room constructive and helpful. Now, can we get this elephant out of here? Nope, probably not. But we can deconstruct with friends. Let me put on that for you a little bit. Welcome to another episode of The, the life, life After. The Life After. I'm uh, here in the studio with Brady. Hey guys, I'm Brady. And, and we, I'm here with Chuck. And I'm here with Brady. And uh, on the line uh, on the line here, on over Skype, we got uh, Leighton Pustiovsky. <laughs> God damn it, I tried. Leighton Pustiovsky, uh, a.k.a. Nightlighter. Nightlighter. A.k.a. Nightlighter. Nightlighter. <laughs> I like that. Um, Leighton, how you doing over there? I'm doing great. Cool. I'm doing great. Killer. I'm feeling good. Layton uh, is our friend, and this is actually his second time being on a show. <laughs> right? Yeah. He made he. Uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. That's not in, really a spoiler. Uh, not really, but the last episode of uh, the first season. Yeah. We had some of listeners call in, and Layton was one of them. Since then, though, Layton, we've gotten in touch, and we've you know gotten to know each other online, and Layton is kind of kicking ass right now. Layton, tell people what you're up to. Uh, I released an album this year in April uh, called Unloose. Cool. It's uh, an album about my deconversion, uh, a very recent deconversion and leaving from Christianity. Um, yeah, just trying to put good music out there, good art. And I've been a musician for a really long time. So uh, it's kind of just uh, activism for me and like trying to represent who I am and uh, I guess kind of be the change <laughs> that I want to see in the world. Yeah, you know, yeah, I know yeah. that's like Get that Gandhi in there. Get a little Gandhi that, in there. But yeah. like, 
white girl I really, t-shirts. I, I, I looked at a lot of rappers and artists and other people out there and I don't, I never identified with them or saw anybody else like me. And I, I felt really awkward about putting out my own album, especially in the hip hop space. Sure. But, you know, I, I figured no one else is going to do it and, and yeah. I can be brave enough. Like, I, like I'm not going to be like Drake or somebody really big, but sure. if I inspire some teen in high school and they see representation in me, maybe they'll also be an artist later on in life or something like and, and how would you describe yourself? Like, who do you see relating to your music and looking up to you that way? Uh, <laughs> you know, like I've had some people message me on Instagram and I feel like it's a lot of, uh, deconverting teens. Uh, I'm not usually sure, uh, their identity, but like maybe an LGBT person, mm. um, people just feel different, feel kind of left out of the crowd. Uh, a lot of people <laughs> like they just kind of have like dark profiles and things like that that look like they're kind of sad boys <laughs> yeah 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 oh for sure yeah it's kind of like that in the deconversion like people who are deconverting on online it feels like a lot of the people that i'm friends with uh just like profile pictures of not their face because you know kind of deconversion is a thing that a lot of people do privately you have to do it yeah you kind of have to retreat from you have to retreat society. a little bit that's true that's yeah nice. so you become friends with a bunch of like dark web people dark what the dark web, dark web. <laughs> yeah like i feel i feel like the people that follow me are like people with no selfies they just post art yeah. and like weird stuff yeah, all the yeah, time. yeah i love it but i mean your so, music is so fucking relatable for i i'm, I'm listening to because of course i was a repressed gay kid as well but listening to your lyrics and how religion affected that and how fundamentalism affected your repression holy shit my jaw dropped like five times listening to your album of just how goddamn relatable it was so i guess i'm one of those sad boys you're one of those it's a, it's <laughs> i mean i have to say it's like re, it's really good it's really well produced it's really like the lyrics are really well constructed i'm imp i'm impressed as a hip-hop head i'm impressed like uh, you know well, thank you when i yeah, first and when i first heard that like you know uh somebody that somebody from like the like former evangelical community was doing a record about deconversion i was like okay like a hip-hop right i was like we'll see we'll see how <laughs> yeah, that turns yeah, out yeah no i, I would be with you i would be 100 <laughs> percent with you yeah i'd be skeptical there's a lot of bad musicians out there and yeah. i hope that i'm not one of them i no uh, hardly no. I, don't, I don't think so at all um it's it, your lyrics are are god bitey and jesus christ honest right? and like yeah they're yeah it pretty much hits the nail on the head it's really um yeah there's really a impressed. phrase that jamie lee finch has used before it's whenever you're you're honest and you say something you're like you said the thing you know you like said you the said the thing, thing. Yeah. and there's like so many times late and i was just like oh my god you said the thing right of like um, because earlier in the show, we've had other people who were gay and that were repressed, but it was more of like in the terms of like conversion therapy, but be able to lyrically explain what it's like, the internal psychological gaslighting and gymnastic bullshit that we do to, to ourselves to repress, to hear that lyrically explained and presented just holy shit. It like really blew me away. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I'd sit down for hours and like revised lyrics and stuff and yeah like, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I wrote this album probably over a year um, okay i was like, gonna ask you how long it took you to to write 
Yeah, and I, I uh, produce all the beats, wrote all the beats myself. Like every sample that you hear. Oh wow! As, like, I was gonna songs, okay. That's now I'm even more impressed because I, I was like, I was gonna be like, who produced your album? Because it's really good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the production is awesome, but you just did it. You did it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I started doing like you know music programming, working with like MIDI software when I was in uh, a post rock band. That's like instrumental band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so. I was always kind of like messing with laptops and MIDI keyboards and For stuff sure. like that. And I, I listened to a lot of hip hop in college. So I just started making beats like over time, but they didn't go anywhere. And so eventually I was sitting on like 50 beats or something. Yeah, that you just didn't. To yeah, do with. right on. Cool. So you kind of had to, you, you had a little bit to pick from. How did you, um, yeah. you, yeah. So you were, you were in a post-rock band for a while, right? How, what yeah. was your what was your transition? We'll talk about that later. But like, what was your transition from from post rock to hip hop? How did that? Because <laughs> yeah, right, it goes from no like, lyrics to lyrics. That's right? like but, well, yeah, not just no lyrics to lyrics, but these are like polar opposite mm-hmm. forms of music. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I like found some artists kind of in between that I like um, people that just do uh, good production instrumentally, like Tycho, um, yeah, like Kate. Tronada that are kind of like electronic instrumental artists right and, okay um that I makes know, sense I, just, I listened to a lot of people that wrote little instrumental beats and stuff so it, it did sound more emotional in post-rock and i feel like hip-hop has a different vibe to it and it depends on what you listen to but i mean in in um in college i listened to like a ton of kanye for the first time like i didn't listen to yeah. any hip-hop mm. in high school you got to know that i was like I came from post-hardcore emo in high school. Yeah, yeah, listening yeah. To same, like, same. To, to like Project 86 and yeah. Showbread. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Pillar, Past yeah. 217. Oh, Pillar. God, Pillar was so oh. bad. Project 86 was pretty bad, that too. That was too hard for uh, me. Uh, my favorite was Emery, though. I still mm. love Emery. did some, Emery. yeah. I, I don't end. go back and listen to him, but like, I mean, they were my favorite and taught me how to yeah do good vocals uh, yeah <laughs> like, for sure i would how to like write good things i would still listen to the week's end the rest of their records are okay but that one was, it, really stands out the mutual friends that you and i had back then were fucking obsessed with emory it Jesus. was just a really good band man um, um. <laughs> what, yeah, but, what, uh, brady do you want to hash out some old it was just a little much guys all right it was just a really good band and quit covering me without you chuck your band that's all you guys did oh my god i'm just oh i loved me without yeah i'm just kidding so i i I lived like uh i know you guys aren't familiar with like the texas area and stuff but i lived in this college area where there's just a lot of like artsy fartsy kind of hippie christians in this area Mm -hmm. and that's like where i formed that was our entire friend group in in college so yeah (laughs) yeah like like they could literally be summed up with like kind of liberal seeming christians that all listen to me without you like you could just kind of yeah yeah basically like if you met somebody that was a christian you would say do you listen to me without you and if they said yes you were best friends (laughs) right right basically how it went (laughs) yeah no i went to a me without you show in uh in dallas and like it's like an hour away from the the college town i lived in and everybody i knew was Was there there, like like, it was so weird that it was just like everybody that was a christian friend of mine and that was really my circle like i i was surrounded by that uh constantly like so i didn't have Mm. non-christian friends in college and like trying to leave that was kind of 
weird. Like I moved to Dallas and I kind of just stopped talking to a lot of people <laughs> um, in yeah. that process. And while I moved to Dallas, like I was still in the Christian band, still in the post-rock band. We were working on our last album and in my mind, I'm like already starting to deconvert, but we're mm. like finishing up an album, right? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, God, yeah. yeah. Which was sure. which was really weird. And um, literally, our last album came out, and I came out. <laughs> yeah, there <laughs> to, you go. To, Hell yeah. to my parents and my friends and my band. Like I think it it was uh, a week apart, and I didn't like plan it. It was just that was the time that it happened. You can't planar um, deconstruction, wild. you know? You, you just can't. You just can't. Uh, so people that follow our, our Instagram uh, closely will know this, but not that, you know, probably like 10 people or something. But <laughs> right. I've, se- I've seen me without you over 30 times. Oh, my God. Have you? Live, yeah. I saw <laughs> I used to just see anytime they were within like three hours, I would just go see them. In a sweater poorly knit will still bring me to tears. Really? Hands down. It's a beautiful song. Um, yeah. Anyway. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I dude, I, I love the I love the record. Sorry, were you going to say something? Oh, no. I, I, I just said I love In a Sweater Poorly Knit. Oh, I made a whole sure. beat battle with my friend in which we just sampled that song. Nice. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'll just send it to you. Yeah, please That's do. Um, yeah, dude, I love the record. I love, um, I mean, you, you talk about... You know, you're talking about that it was it was a brave endeavor to take on, and I I totally agree with you. I mean, it, you know, in a in a way, uh, I I started listening to it, I guess, a little bit after I got into Kevin Abstract and like the Brockhampton like type scene, and it, it yeah. In a lot of ways, it's like I mean, obviously, you're more focused on re- the religious aspect of of being queer and coming out. But it reminded me a lot of like Kevin takes on those really heavy themes of like how difficult it is to be an adolescent and he's really unashamed about it and i i saw a lot of that energy in this record which i really like mm. um yeah he was definitely an influence yeah uh, I, I i started listening to him while i was writing the record oh cool um, and i hadn't heard of him before um i also think like james blake was a really huge influence oh for me. dude yeah um, i can i can hear that in the production for sure james blake is amazing what genre is yeah he? uh he's like a uh, an r&b artist he's like okay. the only white r&b artist with a with a black card right now or like there's right. like one or two like a, pro, yeah. like a proper black card like i think he's the only white guy on the black panther soundtrack well you <laughs> yeah yeah well that's the thing is like so he's dipping into hip-hop which is why yeah. i really like his production because he fits in this weird realm between electronica and kind yeah, of hip-hop stuff like for sure. it's not like beats you can dance to but they right. feel like they're sonically in the same realm yeah 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 it's it's definitely hip hop, but it's like uh, it it's pretty genre bending for sure. I mean, you mentioned Tycho too earlier. Tycho obviously very yeah. very much a crossover between like indie rock and electronic and hip hop. So uh, yeah. yeah, what's the record called, Layton? It's called Unloose. And you're uh, and you you go by Nightlighter. That's your that's your rapping name. <laughs> I do. Uh, Nightlighter, aka XX Apostle, aka Bad News Boy, aka Big Daddy Grieve, aka Lil Heretic. Ooh, Big Daddy Grieve. Shout I'm it. dead. Big Daddy Grieve. I love it. That's my favorite. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. So I mean, I like before we get any further into the interview, it's like I just 
everybody should listen to this record it's i mean it's i'm not just saying that because he's on the show like it's really good <laughs> legitimately check it yeah, out I've, I've gotten good feedback from all all like friends and random people and stuff i was really surprised that um like you know christian friends i still had even shared my album uh online or like you know the church really needs to hear this and i'm like have you heard the record like <laughs> yeah because like, oh, like they I need get, to hear it but they're not gonna want to hear it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, you know, I wonder how much of it is absorbed, but um, I, I think art is always in, open to interpretation, and I feel like good art uh, can hit you different ways at different times. Yep. So That's maybe true. you listen to it right now, and you don't hear all of it, you know, you don't hear everything as a Christian or something, and sure. then later on, something else makes more sense to you. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, or be like me and walking in the park as a 33 year old and then hearing the lyrics and be like shit that was what I needed to hear as a teenager and then sure. smiling from ear to ear and everybody probably thinks that I'm fucking crazy there you go that's Brady's endorsement of the record right there there we go uh, type that up so Layton you grew up in church right <clears throat> I did I, I grew up uh, raised Christian I mean my parents grew up Catholic and uh, slowly kind of became non-denominational like I was a uh, I was baptized in a Lutheran church like as a kid, but I don't really have any memory of it. Like sure. I remember growing mm -hmm. up in a non-denominational church. That are was they, actually are they splashers or dippers? Splash. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't. Did you have yeah. to do confirmation classes? No. No, mm -hmm. you got baptized no, as, a, as yeah. a baby. Yeah, okay, they okay. do infant baptism. Yeah. In no. So like, I was a part of a non-denominational church that met in like somebody's house. Okay. When they started, mm -hmm. and then like a school cafeteria at an elementary school, and then an auditorium. Yeah, like, I don't. I, I don't know. Are do you guys have those there? Like, yeah. there's a lot we of do. them in Texas. You're describing the genre of church where you have to go in fucking early and set all the shit up, yep. and then afterwards, like, you have that weird awkward thing where you get to talk to people for like 15 minutes, and then you're like. Uh, we got to tear all the stuff down yep. again because you, you're not at that yeah. part where you have a building, right? I've, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like that. <laughs> we were never going to have a, a building and stuff uh, just because of the lack of availability in the town that I lived in um, and funding, quite frankly. It, and so, but that was all just normalized to me, like setting up and tearing down. Like I helped and did that, you know, when I was in junior high. I started playing in the worship band when I was in like, sixth grade i played like a little tambourine and uh, yeah. oh my god okay start them early sixth grade is yeah. that's even that's younger than me i didn't yeah. start worship band till like eighth grade ninth grade i think probably okay so let me ask you this before we delve before we dive too deep into your story what were your we me and brady were just talking about this off the air what uh -oh. were your first uh oh see what was your first christian cd and what was your first secular cd or, or like ballpark it doesn't have to be you know we're not, you're not strapped mm. to a lie detector or anything, so. <laughs> you know, uh, you can I guess fake the those. first, I'm trying to think fake of them. what the first one I bought was, but um, my youth pastor had a library of CDs that he let us check uh, out. Ah, mm. there you go, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I very, very clever. Yeah, I had that very too. clever. That was, but, uh, uh, yeah, I had that, but it was before, like, CD burning got to be a big thing. And then it became popular, so then they took away the CD library because everybody's just burning everything. <laughs> and they were like, that's stealing, guys. When I was a youth pastor at a church, they had a subscription to CD. So every month I would get like a shipment, and then I would be able to give them to the other youth. 
previously when I was also a youth pastor, we had a CD burning, but it meant that we had to throw all of the secular CDs into a bonfire. Yeah, it did. I hate oh. that I did that. Oh, oh actually, uh, um, I didn't have a first CD. I had a first tape. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of the WoWs. Uh-huh. The, yeah. The, the, the mixes or something. Yep, yep, and yep. then I think my first CD was like a sampler CD of a bunch of Christian artists that my mom got at like a Christian bookstore. Yeah, yeah. It was yes, probably free. That was... Yeah, it was, de- it was definitely free. I forgot what it was called, but I learned about like half the bands that I listened to because of those CDs. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tooth and Nail always had good samplers. Yeah, they had good samplers. Those were hard, harder to get a hold of. You actually had to pay for those, though. Mm. <laughs> so, what was your first secular CD? Was it was it like later in life? Were you pretty Were you pretty isolated that did, in that way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't even know. Was I, don't, it cre- I don't think was... I. By that time, I didn't buy CDs anymore. I just bought MP3s. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, uh, so, yeah, for sure. Well, because I definitely yeah, first... shifted or something. So, I don't know. Yeah, I. I I guess I started listening to secular music in college, really, and I guess it was really hip hop. Like I started listening to a lot of hip hop, yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. like, "Yeah, I just don't care." Like I know people don't like cursing in Christian culture, but I was kind of anti that. Sure, sure. <laughs> Even while being a Christian, which I know that sounds contradictory. But no, no. I, I, I mean, I was the same way. I was very, I was super liberal Christian, especially by the time I was in college. So I totally get it. I was like, "No, nah, I'm going to listen to whatever music I want." I was yeah. basically the exact stereotype that you would expect out of something like me. So uh-huh. yeah, not really that interesting. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's hard to say who was even secular. Like I would say Under Oath is probably the first secular band mm. I listened to. Yeah. And they weren't <laughs> like, even really say they had some like pretty worshipy songs. Yeah. It's sure. like they had like, I don't know. They had some Christian songs and themes yeah. and things, but like half those songs are about breaking up with their girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. For sure, straight, like all of those post, all those post-hardcore bands. That's straight have, people just talk problems. about relationships. Like Emery, I mean, yep. they're on Tooth and Nail, but like those songs are about relationships. Yep. <laughs> straight people problems. We don't need to hear that. We don't care anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it still applies. <laughs> uh, we need to take a break. Uh, when we get back, let's uh, dive into Layton's past. Sounds good. We'll be right back right after this. I've been losing myself since the day I was born. I was forced to conform just to feel with the norm. I had to practice every day in the uniform while they were just pretending to be transformed and reformed. So I ain't going back since I closed the church door and hit the ignore on offers to mentor me. I don't need to hear your voice no more. I spent a lot of time sitting and I know what y'all stand for. Love is not a thing that you get to define for others. And my identity is not only confined to the cover. So stop dividing your brothers. When you know that we suffer the suicide so high Our mother's trying to recover and you don't want to hear it You think it's God's design and the Holy Spirit will shine when they fucking die Oh that's the other church right right there they y'all I had to turn the other cheek with our love against the law The kiss of death we discovered in the bathroom stall The police bust in now get a Oh hello there Chuck, <laughs> I didn't see you there, how are you? Hmm? Good, just uh, editing the episode, what's up? <laughs> what's up? Oh you commoner and your common talk I guess I'm what you would say, doing not much. <laughs> what is this? Chuck, pst, pst, Chuck, it's me, your pal Brady. I'm practicing patronizing, so I'm working on being more condescending to people. <laughs> oh, oh. Do you have any idea where Matt can get some crumpets around here? <laughs> uh, oh, wh- why are you doing this? 
you know, for our Patreon. We've been asking people to patronize our page, and I didn't want to ask them to do something I wasn't willing to do it myself, so I figured I'd get some practice in. Oh, God. Brady, no, that's huh? that's what? not what it means. Oh, no? Listen. Listeners can go to our Patreon page, pick the level you want to contribute. Oh. Each level has special rewards. Okay. Like, exclusive life after minisodes. Or not safe for work bloopers? Uh, or like a monthly collection of deconstruction memes. And even personal consultations or meet up with your favorite host, Chuck and Brady? Yeah. Brady. Patreon.com slash the life after. <laughs> I guess even you could find it. <laughs> and welcome back to the welcome life back. after. We're here with uh, Leighton Pustiowski. Uh, and I got it right that time. Nightlighter. Yeah. Nightlighter. AKA Nightlighter. So Leighton, you're, uh, I feel like, you know, having, having heard your story, having gone over it a couple of times, your deconstruction sort of, uh, it sort of happens in a bunch of pieces over mm. like a, a decade or so, like a lot, like a long period of time for various yeah. reasons. And they're all like, they all kind of, uh, fall in, fall in place together. So mm. when did that start? That started in like, uh, early, like middle school, early high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would say it probably started at early high school, kind of transitioning into high school. I uh, had uh, an episode of, I had a seizure in the middle of the night, a really rare type, just called like nocturnal seizures that only happen when you're asleep. Hmm. And, That's a, that uh, sounds I, fucking terrifying, first of all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a little bit scary. Uh, um, I, I So I was just, you know, asleep, unconscious. I woke up to an EMT, you know, asking me to repeat my name, had no idea what happened. And uh, what had happened was I fell out of my bed, uh, hit my head on my nightstand, bit my tongue, bit my lip. And so blood is just like kind of gushing out of my mouth. And um, luckily we had like a dog um, that was like waking up my parents Hmm. Uh, by like just like running around frantically. He was like, dude, something's up. Dude, dogs are the best, man. Yeah. Well, cause I mean, I, I guess I was shaking on the ground and so like, you know, the dog probably thought something was wrong. And yeah. My, one of my parents came to check on me, sees me, you know, middle of the night, like 1am or something, hmm. um, and sees me on the ground bleeding, has no idea what happened. You know, they rush me to the emergency room and they're, they're like asking me like, did, did you take any drugs or did you drink anything? Oh God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm like, no, like I'm, I'm a good church boy. Like I didn't say anything. You're right. <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't do also, anything. Also like but... what drug does that? <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess just like any kind of overdosing can cause. Yeah, I guess that's true. That can cause seizing. seizing. Yeah, so, true. but yeah, like but I don't, literally I don't the think, night I don't, before. I can't imagine middle school Leighton being like hard into meth, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm like the the most like white, plain looking boy, brown hair, brown eye, just very average. And I mean, the night before I was at a worship practice for the worship team. Mm -hmm. uh, And so I came home a little late, but like late for junior high was like midnight. Yeah, yeah, of course. (laughs) For sure. Um, So, yeah. And anyway, that really kind of changed my life in high school because they didn't know what caused it. We couldn't figure out anything. Like it kind of scared me that doctors can't tell you why something happened, just Mm -hmm. that it happened. And, uh, you know, it felt weird to try and fit faith around that and to try and think about like why God would let that happen. Uh, 
Hmm. Like what it, and in my head, you know, I don't think anybody said this to me specifically, but I was like, God's trying to teach me something. What right. Trying sure. To teach me? Yeah, we yeah, learned yeah. to spin it, it ourselves. Yeah. We no, don't need yeah, we, else to do it. We do it. Yeah. Right. Because we've already made that pattern of just spinning everything bad. Like, you know, it's just to teach me to be stronger in some kind of way. And so while in high school, everybody else is kind of living a whatever life. And I'm already like thinking about death at 13. Mm, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, because I had seizures for about a, a year on and off. Like I only had like maybe six. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of seizures though, you know? Yeah. Six, I mean, I like, say, well, I mean, yeah. Some people yeah, have like, like thousands, but I mean, you know, it's still six right, seizures. So, is a lot of, it's hard on your brain. Yeah, it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't, you know, quote unquote epilepsy. It was just seizures because it didn't happen frequent enough. But, right. uh, so they put me on medication and I had to take like four pills a day, uh, one in the morning, one in the afternoon and two at night kind of thing. Yeah. And so I'm like going to high school and just thinking about like these pills are keeping me alive in my head. Sure. Like, it was just kind of a weird place to be and to think that um, I could go to sleep at any point and not wake up the next day. Yeah, that's like, crazy. That's like, real. that's really intense, man. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, it, it's it's just normal to me, like, looking back, and then I think about, you know, if I had a 13-year-old son and they were thinking about that at that time. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just insane to me. Yeah. And uh, I think the church was really supportive and like kind they nobody claimed that like god healed me but eventually i got off medicine and i haven't had a seizure since right and in my mind for a while that was like god healed me of that you know that was my story sure yeah but yeah, it's yeah. funny because i told i told a lot of people and i felt like every time i told it i didn't really believe it like, yeah, yeah 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 like i like i was like well it just kind of happened slowly over time and the doctor said you you could grow out of it. A lot of people have seizures. Uh, babies have them and adolescents have them. People in college have them. Basically in the times of like growth, you have them. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it just happened to me around puberty, you know? Hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, there's a, there's something to that, right? Like, like bad and good things happen. And sort of like when you're indoctrinated, your default move is to attribute everything to god in some way so your immediate reaction is like oh god is like testing me or putting me through something and then your immediate reaction when it's over is like oh god healed me from that thing and it's like there are other more likely explanations to sort of explore <laughs> there right but like right. you're just so ready to apply a narrative a narrative to it yeah like a, a narrative that helps your faith Right. I have a theory that part yeah. of that comes from how we as fundamentalists handled the Bible when it came to our history, that when we read about history all the way up to this point, it's always been about God interacting with people through like their daily lives and him showing whatever. And so we kind of like applied that to ourselves and we're like put ourselves in the shoes of David or somebody. And so we wanted those interactions that David had with God to be as real as what we're experiencing. Oh, yeah. So yeah. we're trying to like kind of project, oh, well, you know, in my story, 
you know, I might not be throwing some people on the front lines, but I successfully repressing my sexuality for God, <laughs> you know? And so we have like these like little personality, like little personal narratives yeah. that we're trying to jam into the newer New Testament. Right. Right. It's like, yeah. it's a, we just call our everyday lives. The Bible is like just long enough that there are like, there's like a story that you can like manipulate jam to fit into, your mm, circumstances mm. no matter yeah. what. Right. It's, yeah. yeah. And are you I, stabbing I, really I, fat people? Ehud. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say, Lane? Uh, on, uh, on one of my songs, I wanted to really focus on this idea that um, when traumatic things happen, it's interesting to me that some people convert to Christianity and some people yes. uh, fall away from it or right. deconvert in some ways. Um, and I think you mentioned David earlier, which is funny. I, I pulled up a, a verse that I wrote that said, when you ain't have all the answers, but you were getting all the tests, and then your child got cancer and he took his last breath. Were you dancing like David? Were you feeling hashtag blessed? Or were you thinking about life and death and hoping there's something next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like in these dark times of like just thinking about death, it's like, were, were we just hoping that heaven is real and that there's some justice in the world um, to kind of qualm our fears at the time. Right. Like, mm. cause that's how I felt like it was for me, you know, and I feel like I've heard that story over and over. And it's interesting that like, it really kept me in the faith. Like, Oh man, God is saving the, the people that are depressed and have been through really hard times. And then later it made me actually think that it's less true because I'm like, Everybody is just hoping for anything, like a, any kind of savior, any mm. kind of heaven, any kind of justice. Yeah. Um, when they're feeling like the world is crap, right? Um, you know, things have just been put on them that they can't handle. You sort of had to face your own uh, mortality at like a really young age, right? And like, yeah. Simultaneously, while you're like forming your adult idea of what your faith is, you're also like confronting your own mortality, right? Like you're mm. like you're literally afraid that you might just die, right? And yeah, I feel like yeah. that uh I mean you mentioned earlier and we sort of like share the same the same thing is that like we were both like pretty liberal in college for Christians or like kind of sure, moved yeah. away from fundamentalism. And I feel like when you have uh when you have an experience that force that like puts you like apart from the general Christian community that you're a mm, part of, others. you end up, you know, you end up changing your faith to like be different than the community that you're in at the time. Right. So um, it's, inter it's, it's just interesting how that contributes, that kind of thing contributes to, to deconstruction, especially during those yeah. formative years, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> I I had people in my church that, would tell me, you know, God has spoken to them and stuff. So I really believed, you know, like adults are telling me God's speaking to them yeah. and mirac miraculous, miraculous things have happened. They were faithful and God delivered to them in some kind of capacity. Sure. And when adults are all saying this around you, you're not just going to assume like, oh, all these adults are lying to me. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, you, of like, course. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I, I just got to take their word for it. And, uh, I, I do think it's also interesting. Um, on one of my songs, I said, anyone different, they could not allow illusions of unity in a crowd. And 
when I said illusions of unity in the crowd, I would just was trying to harp on like this idea that we're all in worship, we're all in the church, and we all kind of come together with this idea of God, and we think that we're on the same page. Yeah. But like when you start talking to people about their individual stories and you get to know people, you're like, oh, this person's more charismatic, and I don't yeah. know how I feel about that, or like this one's more conservative, mm. and I agree with them, or whatever it is. Like there's just differences all in the church. Uh-huh. And I find that it's really weird that it's just this whole community that we claim to be on the same page, but we're just not like sure. in every, in every church that I went to. And it bothered me. Cause I'm like, I want structure. Like I want truth to be really black and white. I want straight right. answers. Um, if God delivers to one person, he should deliver to the next. Right. Um, and yeah, so I mean, that, that's kind of like the seeds of doubt or something in college for me is like hearing more and more stories, hearing different types of faith, different denominations, yeah, uh, I think that really started to enhance my deconstruction and kind of speed it up. And with God, there's no discernible pattern at all. Yeah. Like it makes no sense. Right. And whenever I was coming out of Christianity, I, I became, went from that to atheism. And so when I was more critical of my fundamentalism, then liberals could say, well, that wasn't real Christianity. And then, and then, you know, the fundamentals will say, well, you're not real Christian. And then there's no gauge of saying this is because neither of them are shooting out supernatural sparks. I'm not seeing, you know, supernatural yeah. fruit on either side. Yeah. I'm like, well, this one's the real one. And it, it becomes just a matter of like well this is our opinion this is the culture that we're in that's sort of the, the one of the problems with liberal christianity right is that like you you get caught in between this like like you said fundamentalists saying well you're not a real christian if you're not experiencing god and liberals saying you're not experiencing god because you weren't practicing christianity right or you weren't interpreting mm-hmm. the bible right and it's like this like <laughs> there's no way out of that i mean it's a vicious cycle that you get caught in for a while there's obviously a way out but it's deciding that the whole thing is bullshit (laughs) but it's hard to do that when you're getting like you know a dozen different explanations from both sides that all boil down to like either you're not doing it right or you're not interpreting it right and Leighton, let me ask you this question as a as a fellow gay person okay so (laughs) i and I, i don't know if you relate with this or if this makes sense but like you know i was very fundamentalist and so i repressed myself 14 when I realized that I was attracted to guys until I was 28 going through my divorce after, you know, I was cheated on and going through all of that jazz. Okay. So yeah. that's when I finally gave myself permission because I felt comfortable enough. So that was 14 years of successfully repressing myself. Right. And so a lot of like liberal Christianity would say, well, now you can just be with God and he's cool with you being gay. But I'm thinking to myself, where were you for the 14 years that I was repressing myself and feeling the shame of being gay and homosexual? Am I supposed to go back and just now think that would you respect a God who just left you to be silent? Like left silence? Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I totally get what you're talking about. I totally get what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, it's like hard to imagine. I I kept going back to this phrase that people were telling me. Um, They were like the character, characteristics of God don't change. Like the characteristics of God don't change. He's the same today or yesterday, today and forever. Yeah. And in some verse trigger warning. Uh, Yeah. Right. For sure. But like, I I thought it was just so ridiculous hearing people all claim different characteristics of God. And I couldn't figure out where they're confirming that or why one church is more right than another. 
But yeah, as far as like him being the same today and yesterday, I didn't feel like that was the case in my life. Anytime mm. I look around, you know, like I started to look at the reality around me and saying, I, I don't see any consistent characteristics of God. Like I find that that's one of the, my most problems with my biggest problem with the Christian God is that lots of people are claiming that he's different things and there's no one standing up for what's right. Um, and one of my songs, I say like, what, when are you going to show your own glory? Cause everybody else is telling your story. Like everybody's mm. telling me the stories about Jesus, the stories about God, and everybody's telling me it's all about the relationship. You yeah. Know, he <sighs> wants to have a relationship with you. And I'm like, it's pretty easy to have a relationship with me. Like you just be here in person. <laughs> be real. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, like, like don't have other people tell me your characteristics. Just show me your characteristics. Mm. And so I, when I yeah. see, when I still see Christians talk about like, oh, I'm having quiet time with Jesus and God. Um, it's, it's really weird to me to just like basically admit you're like kind of talking to this invisible person, but somebody else is at the same time and you're experiencing two different things that mm -hmm. are undistinguishable, mm -hmm. uh, unverifiable. Mm -hmm. And like, maybe that's me being too, you know, analytical about something, but that, that was just, you know, part of my deconversion as far as I don't think that's too breaking away from that idea. That seems like logic to me. I mean, and not like, you know weaponized logic just like everyday common sense logic of trying to figure out what is real or not i mean right if, if we're going to talk about heaven and hell and all the, the practical side matters it matters logic matters um yeah but the other thing with a quiet time is it's good practice and so the thing is they're they're probably benefiting from it because it's good for us to it's take meditative. a minute yeah. it's meditative right and yeah. and so a lot of us we lose prayer we lose our quiet times they're the time that we're able to kind of like sit down in the morning with a cup of joe and uh look at to the star and think about <laughs> think about nature or think about creation or any of that stuff yeah. i didn't mean to hit you but like we just that's good for us. And so they're walking away from it saying, well, you're telling me that it's not real, but I'm walking away having some of a benefit from this that I'm feeling internally. And that's what's making it real for me. Sure, sure. But there's mm -hmm. a difference of subjective experience. Long story, honestly, my moral is replace your quiet times with something that's going to benefit you. That's <laughs> yeah. real. That's real. Well, right. You know, and it, it's re it was really hard for me to be like, to see everybody else tell me what God is and to be this repressed, gay, struggling man, mm. wondering what is the truth. Like I was, I started reading um, just a few books and like articles all about homosexuality in the Bible and the, debate of that of like people's different positions because mm. even amongst christians there's different debates and different positions like side a and b there's that whole thing matthew vines and, and justin yeah Lee's right and, and you know like when i started reading that stuff a lot of them were kind of just starting like i know a lot mm. of people know who they are now but uh at the time there wasn't a lot of reading material out mm -hmm. there there were some like really badly designed websites <laughs> that yeah, you could yeah, go yeah. like find a few things but yeah. not a lot of resources um and so i'm just sitting here trying to find an answer and i only have one question for god is just you know will he accept my sexuality or not like uh i remember sitting down in my bed and not in my uh, bed in my um my living room about like three, I guess it was three years ago now, and just like 
kind of giving up and I was like, I'm literally just going to sit here for an hour and like wait on an answer for God because I'm so fed up mm-hmm. with like reading stuff over the past mm-hmm. year. I'm literally just going to sit here and dedicate all of my time to you and just kind of crying. And I, I, I don't like break down and <sighs> cry very often. And I was just yeah. so fed up with not having an answer and mm-hmm. not only for myself, but for anybody else in the world that's feeling mm-hmm. like me yeah. and is struggling out there. Um, so it, it was like a mix of just, you know, sad, be, be, sadness and anger. And I feel like, you know, that's what comes through on the album is that kind of grief. Um, yeah. Fuck. Just like having all these things I want to say, um, about religion and sexuality and God and, you know, people telling me what their view of God is. And I'm just like, let me tell you what my view of God is, <laughs> like what Shit. my life has been like. Yeah. Um, Cause it's just been hard. Yeah. And, you know, I go into like a, a small group where some, uh, I told, I came out to a group of guys in a small group for like the first time at this big church. And I, I remember them being like, so, can we pray for you about anything? Like, what can we do to help you struggling with your sexuality? And I was like, nothing. Like, you literally can do nothing. Yeah. And yeah. After after I said that, I was just like, oh wow, that like hurts me inside yeah, really yeah, bad. Yeah. You know, like to admit that they can do nothing and that God's not like answering my prayers or anything um, mm. to kind of uh, not make me straight, but um, help me deal with it in a better way. Like I, I just wanted it to go away. Um, and I, I, I was like, I can't date a woman or anything. I, I, yeah. I can't lead somebody else on when I know that I like men. Yeah. I can't, I, I can't um, just sit and struggle like that or something. And I'd seen people uh, in college at this church called the village there they would play videos of um couples that they considered successful oh my and God. They, they would play you know a, a, a gay man that was like yeah i used to be gay and now i've married my wife and so i yeah. really believed that it was possible to marry a woman at one point and I considered it for a time and I dated a woman in college mm-hmm. and she broke up with me. It didn't last very long. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just like really frustrating the, the things I had been through and people still telling me that, you know, Oh, I was gay and then I married a woman and it all worked out. Glory to God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It didn't, didn't work out for me. And I don't see why my story is invalidated and others people's are validated. Sure. You know? right, like, right, sure. right. What you said really struck a chord with me about how you knew that it wasn't just you, but you were worrying about this for other people that are going through the same thing. Cause I remember trying to get people to come to Christianity, right. And wanting to evangelize, but also knowing, Holy shit, this is so fucking hard. Why am I struggling so goddamn much? Why am I struggling so goddamn much? Why yeah. am I struggling? You know? And so it trying yeah. to invite people. I'm not just inviting them to heaven. Am I, I'm inviting them to welcome to this bullshit 
factory. Well, it's like, where, yeah. I, would you like to repress your sexuality too? Yeah, where I'm being told <laughs> that if that if, where I'm being told that I'm choosing that I'm choosing to struggle with this shit, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Because people are are then also at that time they're they're framing my story for me. I don't get to write my mm-hmm. own story. They're writing it for me, and that is that um, homosexuality is a choice that I'm struggling with. It. It's not a thing that God wants. It's unnatural. And so there's, you know, it's because my dad didn't hug me enough, or you know, my oh, dad's my distant, or that my mom. Story. Or my mom is too, you know, which all I hit all the boxes, all the stereotypes right. that are true for me. But I knew that that wasn't. That, that it was so hard and I was struggling and it took everything. Cause I'm thinking of you going through high school and you're worrying about dying, but in the same mm. back of our minds, we're also worried about fucking going to hell because we're gay and we're not, you know, like I came from Lordship yeah. theology that said, oh God. you know, if you were saved, then you would be showing fruit. And if you're struggling with the same <laughs> sin for a long period of time, that's a good indication that you're not, that you're not saved. All and right, so Paul Washer. it was Paul Washer. It came from Paul Washer and his mentor, Charles Leiter, <laughs> who wrote the book, uh, the law of Christ. And it yeah. was all Lordship theology. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. that was what I was being fed and I'm freaking the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like that's on my mind. So what you said about knowing that it's not just you struggling with this, but the fact that we're kind of like trying to invite other people to, deal yeah, with the yeah. same fucked up internal shit um yeah. there was a part I've of me that was in worship bands so that was like you know oh, i was always yeah. a part of the church like mm. always you know in the background and like i didn't yeah. leave but like i'm taking part in it right and so i'm supposed to invite people to see my band play at places you know and represent christians and you know evangelize and <laughs> i was a terrible evangelizer uh because you know in the back of my head i'm I'm struggling as a gay man and i'm like how am i supposed to tell other people that there is hope in this religion yeah like there was a point in me in which i was just like i there it's not necessarily a better life for me but not not right now right because it's supposed to be eternal after you die and that just seems like a really sad package like mm. i don't want to give somebody this present it's like here's a sad life right now but it'll be better later if you're already having a good time like maybe like if you're if, <laughs> yeah like it just didn't make sense um and i knew it didn't make sense so like there's that cognitive dissonance right where you're like it doesn't make sense but i need it to stay together like i have yes. to hold it together yes uh we're gonna take a quick break um and when we get back, I want to talk a little bit about your college experience and what led to you, like, actually walking out the door there. So, uh, when we get back. All right. We're right back after this. If he really knows everything, then he knows what we need to believe, to seem to be, to easily agree. So he could have came through when I couldn't even breathe with pneumonia and an IV sleep. It was hard to conceive. I was so naive. I thought God would relieve the seizures in my sleep. But he left me to die at the age of 13. Had to wonder what life and death even mean. But I was deceived by disciples reciting verses at me Saying my problems with Adam and Eve When practicing and matching what pastors would preach Priests pretending they teach Secretly keeping leaders on a leash Ministers welcome critique As long as your power remains beneath Reverends dressing so clean Wonder what they paying for the lease Elders reading the Greek Playing the history on repeat Claiming they got it achieved And when I had faith I would feel relieved But it was just typical speech Stretching a hand that could never reach Everybody's saying you're there for me, but I never feel 
If you were gonna die tonight, do you know where you Stop. Would... Just tell them about our website. Oh, just tell them to go to the lifeafter.org? Yes. They can go now, even without accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. <laughs> the lifeafter.org. We have a blog, contact page, a link to our Facebook page, and more. All right. The lifeafter.org. Heavenly. And we're back. You're listening to the Life After. We're here with Leighton Pustioski. <laughs> I would. Nightlighter. AKA Nightlighter. Leighton, when did you when did you start to realize that you were queer? Uh in college actually. Uh I d I didn't realize I was queer until college and I had like a crush on a guy. Mm-hmm. But you know, looking back, I definitely had crushes on guys in like high school and stuff mm. but i just thought i was like really interested in them as like being their friend sure yeah, 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 yeah. i know it sounds like ridiculous but that's how no. i framed it in my head no 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 like, that's like I, so common right yeah yeah that, i i was just like I, there's a new boy that goes to our school and i was like i'm want to be his friend like, <laughs> can, I, can i be honest I really want to be his friend <laughs> i don't often write down questions that i want to do with people beforehand but here's one that i had with you is internal conflict of being gay the games with identity and how we like reframe it in our minds to make sense sure yeah so what mm-hmm. you're saying makes sense because for me i did the whole why well, i want to be really close to guys i want to be friends with them but i never would be like or and as i get older Older, I'd be like, oh, I wanted to experiment, but I never wanted to be in a relationship with one. Sure, yeah. So it's how I compartmentalized in our head. And I think part of gay repression culture is to come up with really fucked up narratives where you don't feel like you're actually gay. <laughs> but yeah, are, right? yeah. Like I, I just didn't have any feelings for girls in high school or anything like that. And I saw that other people did, but I just figured I'm just an apathetic person that has less emotions than other people. Like that's how I framed it in my head was just mm. like, I'm just a solemn creature. I'm very serious all the time. And I don't, get to feel highs and lows and uh then you know Mm. later i did when when i uh experimented with guys for the first time much much later in college yeah yeah so okay so you i mean your response to that your your response to that was to just repress right i mean like you weren't you weren't like oh i'm gay i'm gonna be out and (laughs) yeah no it was definitely i mean when i realized that like i didn't I hadn't seen porn until I was 18, mm-hmm. I think, in like junior college. And when I watched gay porn for the first time, I was like, ew, like, I, I don't know how I feel about this. But then I like watched it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I felt like that was my relationship with being gay was like, mm. it was this monster that I needed to feed by like watching porn or hooking up with a guy in college. Like later, it was just something I treated and then I would not do it. I would not be gay in between. Like that's mm. how I viewed it in sure. my head was just like, it's this problem that I have. And I mean, then I looked for it in Christianity and they framed it as sin and it's a problem that you can face and fight. So in my head, it wasn't my identity and who I am and any kind of capacity. It was just something I did, right? It was an action. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. wow. It was a choice, right? I mean, to some degree, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was like, well, it was like when I'm kissing a guy, I'm gay. When I'm not, I'm not gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it was framed in my mind. Hmm. So definitely repressing in that way. Yeah. Um, 
it as just, much as possible. We so, all do that. Oh, just the, I've heard so many ways that people have had to reframe their sexuality in that way. Yeah. And what you're saying is completely normal. Like, um, there's always just strange ways that it comes out. So yeah. one of my big mantras, especially since I've started this show, is is that repression doesn't work, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like it's like so obvious now you know, that it's almost not worth saying. But then I remember like what I was like in high school and college. And I was, you know, I was straight, but I've always been like a, just a very sexual person. So it was always horn like dog, total horn dog <laughs> out of control. So, <laughs> so it was always like, you know, it, it always just felt to me like, like uh fucking what's that uh whack-a-mole it felt like mm-hmm. whack-a-mole you know it's like oh i oh i cut out porn but now i'm like you know acting out in some other way and i i knock that out and then i'm back to porn and then like shit like that and it's just like you're i it's something that cast said on the when he was on the show cast midgley said when he's on the show that i really liked that is it's like the human like the the like basically the like humanity our humanity is going it's like a river and it's going to flow somewhere mm. and mm. you no matter how many blockades you put up it's going to redirect itself into a space right so it's like you right. you know your sexuality as a as a gay man is is going to find its way out right and you i mean you yeah. ended up like you know you, I mean, how do i word that <laughs> yeah, I literally hooked up with guys like secretly on this side, like while right, attending yeah. church and things. Um, I, I was really, really scared. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I literally, there wasn't Grinder at the time or anything like that. Sure. Um, there was just Craigslist, which is like super dangerous. And I still did that, which is crazy looking back. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That I just, I got like a guy's number via Craigslist and we texted back and forth kind of thing mm-hmm. until... I met up at his apartment and we experimented and that was like the first time. And after, after we did it, I liked it so much. I was like, Oh God, like, I know that I'm gay. Like I, I'm super gay (laughs) and it it scared the crap out of me. Like I was just like, I don't know. Have you ever done something and then just instantly regretted it and foreseen your future like oh my god like i feel like so many that, times. That, that's happened to me a few times in life where like i've done something and i'm like oh god i know that like a year from now i'm gonna be in this place yeah yeah, and yeah. not like, not for, since i left the faith i haven't felt that way but <laughs> that's what i that's what i mean I yeah like, like during during your faith like i had these i had these moments like that in which i was like oh god like this i'm gonna go down the a dark path yeah or, yeah you know or is that what you felt was happening that you you got a little gay and you're like oh now i'm in the dark path and there's no turning back the yeah yeah timeline. well so like i mean once i started it was like you know i've already fucked up right like i've already i'm already going to hell mm. so like what's one more time wow what's one more time what's one more time like yeah and it just kind of became that cycle of uh shame like with hooking up yeah okay like I, I just hook up because i really <clears throat> wanted to have sex and some kind of intimacy which you know i i realize that that comes across like strange to some people of like mm. this pattern of hooking up um or, or it, it might to to some people sure. just, just like it's different in in the gay world that that happens yep. a whole lot and it, it, right. it didn't happen a whole lot back then because there weren't hookup app hookup apps 
But, the um, gay narrative, though, is different. It's historically different. Our, it's it's well, always been a history of having to be an ashamed culture and trying to find our people through that without being able to just walk up at a normal bar and be up and forward. You know, there's yeah, right. I mean, yeah, like, like there was cruising yeah. before us, like in Absolutely. parks and stuff. You yeah, know? like it, it's super weird to think about. Um, now gay teens can find each other without having to deal in shady areas or something. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Part yeah, of because... my deconstruction evolved even going to a bathhouse. Like shit like that yeah. is something that some of us repressed people just need to kind of work through and get our shit out. What were you saying, Chuck? Uh, I mean, I was just going to say like, I mean, you mentioned intimacy and it's like, yeah, you're <laughs> like, that's, that's where I was trying to go. That's something yes. that's readily available for straight people all the mm-hmm. time. Right. It's like mm-hmm. romantic intimacy. Right. But yes. like, as a as a gay man especially as a closeted gay man like you have to secretly seek out intimacy in shady situations and yeah. yeah i mean even dangerous i mean it's like if you <laughs> you literally put yourself in situations that are way more dangerous than like just being an out gay man mm. yeah. in order to yeah. be you know in order to to like express your sexuality right it's like yeah. it's would your mom really rather you not have sex with a gay man or would it would she rather you not like meet shady people off of craigslist you know what i mean it's like it's yeah. like which is worth like what are you signing yeah, up for I mean, when you repress your sexuality yeah, it goes back to, you know, the whole argument of like sex education, because a lot of people are like, we don't need to be teaching teens about this stuff. Right. And I'm like, I am what happens when you don't teach kids about sex. Right, right. We, yeah. we do terrible things on our own and we have to figure out stuff on our own. So like if Christianity, if the straight world, if anybody provided me any kind of resources, I wouldn't have been mm. doing that. And, you know, like anybody I met. And any guy, I mean, any guy I hooked up with, like, was also in the closet um, as well. So, like, that was just every person I met that was gay. Yeah. Everybody was in the closet like that. Or if they were out, they might have been out to, like, a friend and not publicly or in some way. Hmm. Yeah. So it was how everybody kind of got their intimacy and that's that's what i was trying to hit on is like it it's not just hook up sex like i want sex it's like i don't have intimacy male to male ever right right right. not in it's not in the way that you want it right i mean you have like friendship male intimacy but that's that's a totally different but your brain has to compartmentalize that differently too right that was my experience growing up was friendships was hard because number one i was afraid to death that they would find out about me and so there was like weird repression there but there's your your my experience i was on eggshells anytime that i'm around other guys my age or anybody that um that i could even be like attracted to then i'd have to shame myself for that and try to make you know there's just so much other internally so much other shit going on uh that it's hard to explain to people that aren't queer and weren't brought up in the church to like get how many weird functions your brain is having to play in the background at all times mm. um that really yeah. makes running all the other programs pretty mm. fucking shaky and weird that's a because, really good yeah. way to put that yeah yeah it makes it harder i uh so i came out like three years ago to my parents and friends and uh i got in a relation relationship really quickly after and i just remember how weird it was like just holding hands 
and just mm. being intimate with one another um, because I was used to the kind of like hookup thing, like sex mm. and cuddling and stuff like that, but not really knowing a person, but like mm. going out on a date and like sitting down and actually having a conversation. Like there were times that I was just like shaking with nervousness or anxiety because of like being perceived as gay and out, even though I was like, I am out. Like I shouldn't mm. have to be worried about that, but it's like a switch that I couldn't turn off. Like I still felt that shame cycle, even after um, having sex with a, a guy that I was dating, you know, like y- when you've developed that cycle and that habit, it doesn't just go away overnight. Hmm. So you, um, you wound up having, a roommate that this is before you were out, right? So you had a yeah. you wind up you wind up having a roommate that was like one of the first few people that you could be like really honest about your sexuality with, right? Is my, am I getting that right? Yeah, yeah. There were I had this uh roommate in college. Well, I was like living in a house with like three other guys, and I did not know he was gay, and uh, he crawled in bed with me one day. And like, it was like in the evening and, uh, I found out he was gay because he kissed me Mm. and I, I just kind of felt weird about it. And he instantly asked me, he was like, have you ever done that before? Like in my head, I'm like, Oh God, I'm not about to tell you. Do I say no or yes? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, I don't want to tell you that I've hooked up. And this is a really awkward time for me because I was trying to remain celibate. Um, I had a, I had dated a woman and she broke up with me and I was like, cool, I'm not going to date a woman ever again. I'm still going to remain a Christian. I'm just going to remain celibate. Like this Mm. is my life now and And you weren't going to hook up again. You weren't even like, you weren't even like telling people that you were like, quote unquote, struggling at that point. Right. No, struggling. No, I did not tell anybody that I was like struggling. So no one had any idea. Like that was just all internal conflict within myself or like my own narrative. I'm sure I'm I'm not going to do anything anymore. And, but of course I still wanted to, and you know, I still thought about it because it, you know, when hooking up is just like a message away on your phone or, you know, an app or something, then it's pretty easy to kind of make happen. I'm just, Um, sorry. I'm just thinking about like the weight of carrying that secret around. Right. I mean, it's like one thing it's like the gravity of repressing your sexuality is like so difficult in and of itself. Right. But then like when you're also not talking about it and you have, you have had sexual experiences that you don't feel like you can tell anybody about, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're like in these environments where it's not safe to talk about it. And you're like making the decision that you're going to be celibate. And all of that is just between you and yourself. And well, yeah, I mean, at the time perceived it to be between you and God, but like, you know, you're really just bearing that burden. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah, I, there was a lot, there was a lot of frustration during that time also cuz um I had had uh, in college like two girls had crushes on me and I couldn't just tell them I was gay. Like yeah. I <laughs> I didn't want to because so all of my friends were Christian. All of them knew each other even though they went to different churches. Like if I told one person, I told everybody. Okay. So yeah. cuz you know, you know how it is in in churches or at least it was for me. It's like if you tell somebody 
somebody's going to like pray for you in a circle. Right, and right, right. Fig- they'll, fig- they'll figure it out. You'll be on the email chain. Then suddenly you get invited for coffee and you're like, oh, I know what this is about. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, uh, that's, how always, that's how those conversations always start. Oh, yeah. Hey, man. Hey, man. So I heard <laughs> this thing about you. <laughs> I, just I was just for- wondering, is that true? <laughs> or it'll or it'll come out in a prayer circle. Like I just I have a anonymous. I just have this friend that's really struggling with their sexuality. His name's Nightlighter. Yeah. His light- name's Nightlighter. <laughs> yeah. He's lighting up the nights. His name is His really name hard to is pronounce. Lathan. <laughs> Lathan. <laughs> yeah. So uh, going back to the the, the roommate thing, sure. the, the guy that that kissed me though, it was um, a really awkward time. Uh, cause he, he kind of slowly took advantage of me, um, by like coming in my bed, uh, more and more often, but he wouldn't do anything. And I was comfortable with that cause I got some kind of intimacy out of it, but right. I wasn't sinning. Right. Cause we're not having sex or doing anything. Um, and I was about to leave the house. Like, like I was about to move to Dallas and, as soon as I got like a new job and I told all my roommates I'm going to Dallas, he kind of started to act more aggressive and we would be like sitting underneath the blanket and he would like grab my leg and kind of, you know, intimately stroke, stroke my leg or something. And I was like, stop, like other people are around and would do it while other people are around to try and like get a rise out of me. Um, meanwhile, he's not out to anybody and this this guy was dating a girl at the time, so I was like really frustrated with him. I'm like, this is my friend, and why is he acting so weird? And I'm having a hard time with this already, and you're just making it worse. Um, and he eventually, I was asleep one time, and he came into my bedroom, and he was performing oral sex. And so I just woke up, and I told him to stop and he got off me. Um, but then he, he started to engage in sex and to be frank, I just kind of wanted to have sex so bad at that time. And at that point I felt like I had been teased, you know, I just had a lot built up that I just kind of let him have sex with me and not that it was very long and it felt really weird because we were I I felt good at the time I really did like I I felt good in the moment of having sex but I didn't I didn't want to be with him I Mm. didn't Mm -hmm. I wasn't interested in him Mm. uh which is just a really kind of confusing feeling to not really want to be with this person but also to want to have sex at the same time and anyway it ends um I kind of get up and leave and just like go to the bathroom uh, to kind of like wash my face and clean myself. Sure. And I come back and he's instantly like, I have to tell my girlfriend. I have to tell my girlfriend. Oh, God. And I just remember so much adrenaline running through my body of just like, 
I felt like this happened to me, and even yes. though I enjoyed it, now my life is going to be ruined. Wow. Everyone's going to know that I'm gay. Immediately. Um, and I'm trying to literally leave town, like, in mm. this month and move away. Mm. And I was just like, our, our relationship is, like, ruined between each other. Like, I'm never going to be friends with this guy again. And so he told his girlfriend, and... I, I was just like praying that she didn't tell her friends or anybody. And I found out later that she knew that he was gay and struggling, quote unquote, um, while they were in a relationship. And she was he, he was open with her about that. But she blamed me. And he said that um, oh I, I, I like enticed him and seduced him. Oh, wow. And brought him into sin. Oh, fuck. Uh so I I was really angry and I was really like, just fuck this man. Like yeah. I can't I can't talk to these people. Mm. Like you know, we're supposed to be open and honest with people, and it was just a really really bad experience. It left a bad taste in my mouth. Just as I'm leaving, all these people, um, that are my my friends, and like, how do you tell the rest of your roommates and your friends that this happened to you? You know, right. Like, like, how do you explain that situation of like, well, he came on to me and then we had sex. But like, I wasn't thinking about, I, I completely forgot in the moment, honestly, that he was dating a girl at the time. I was just like, oh, this is happening. Like, I was asleep. I was asleep. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I feel weird about um, calling it like sexual assault or sexual uh, anything because it was like, well, we both wanted to have sex and we're both just these repressed gay men that it just, it just made me really sad for both of us that were just mm. repressing so hard and that neither of us are going to be happy in the end. And I just continued on. Cause that was all I could do. Like I just yeah. moved and I stopped talking to a lot of people in mm. that circle. Mm. But I mean, the honor and the respect and the privilege, not the privilege, the right of consent was taken away from you. Right. I mean, that situation you weren't given. Yeah. The real situation. Right. So the, the fucked upness of it, though, that kills me is like we talked about earlier, it's kind of this narrative is in what's right and wrong is found in who's the who's telling the story. Right. And so it's kind of like because you um we're gay and leaving and everything you're kind of made out to be the villain and that's right okay right you know for uh people who want to continue in the faith uh you're just kind of a casualty of that your your collateral mm -hmm. damage yeah. right yeah and they could just write it off as like well being gay is bad and you're struggling and this is yep. just more proof that being gay is bad right mm -hmm. like that's yeah. that's how it was framed is well, yeah, right. You, Which is you cheated because you're gay, and that's bad, and that's what being gay leads to. Is this, the weird thing is, I'm a little, I'm weird in that, right? Um, and so you can listen to my story, episode five. I don't want to get into all of it, but the thing was, like, I was gay. I was open about it. I found a woman, was open and honest with her. We got married. She knew she ended up cheating on me, and right. then that mm -hmm. became was like the catalyst of like deconstruction and me leaving the faith and everything. The church told me I needed to beg her to stay. I got wrongfully disfellowshipped by them, um, and then I fought for it and I got cleared, right? And so I got my my mm -hmm. my membership back. But it was around that. Time time that I realized I don't believe this shit anymore. 
Mm. And so I walked away and I came out and that was kind of the justification of like, yeah, we spiritually abused Brady, but he's gay. So he was going to be leaving the faith anyway, uh, you know, and he yeah, obviously and wasn't one of the, he was uh, one of the ones that sprouted up quickly and then died away, but sprouted up quickly. Motherfucker. I was it's 28 so, years well, it's old. It's just so and, ridiculous <laughs> because like, yeah. I hear that story and that's like so clear to me that if you, if both or either of you were not repressing your sexuality that it would you both would have been fine and that probably never would have happened right yeah i mean it's yeah. like true it's that's like the thing that's the thing yeah it's like can we just like acknowledge that repressing your sexuality <laughs> just fucking doesn't work and it, i mean yeah not only does it not work but it's like literally actually dangerous mm -hmm. and yeah. it literally actually makes your life much worse than it would be if you were just open about it and that's right. that, that applies to you know anybody that's queer that applies to anybody that's straight that's trying to be celibate or trying to like save themselves mm. or whatever it's just like you are going to put yourself in stupid regrettable situations or be put in stupid regrettable situations or be assaulted or be raped because a bunch of people are being told that they have to control this uncontrollable thing, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's gonna, it's fucking gonna come out one way or the other. And it's probably going to be ugly mm -hmm. if you're repressing uh, it. But it, but it's not at all your, you're not, not saying, your you're not saying this at all. You're not at all. And nothing you said implied this. I just feel oh, like, okay. like a social justice oh, sure, where you sure. need to say it's never anybody's fault. You know that oh, yeah, they're sexually, around, yeah. if they are willingly around people who are repressed and then they get, you know, assaulted by somebody who's repressed that's not their fault but the thing is you look at the fucking catholic church it's the same thing i have a little bit of sympathy at first but then you're like well you've also had thousands of years to realize this is a pattern but you continue to do it anyway right but with the catholic church it's the same fucking thing the same with baptist and uh well where we have like is, all these covers up and everything it's the same fucking repression well, yeah. yeah it doesn't pastors that get caught anything. with gay men in hotels and right. stuff. we've seen this Jesus. story happen several times now and like you know when I was a Christian, I'm like, those people are terrible. You know, they're awful. How could they ever do that? Yeah. And, you know, then this thing happens to me and I start to understand, like, the, mm. if two people are repressing things together, <laughs> it's yeah. like... Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. Uh, it's hard. It's... <sighs> it's hard and complicated. Like, I, I don't want to, like, you know, write it off as, like, everybody is fine and gets well, a, the thing a that happens, or something. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing that happens is that, like, you get, like, a Christian sees those reports of, like, that pastor, you know, that did what X, Y, and Z and got caught. And it's, like, they, it's so, they they make you so ready to convince yourself that that person just needs God. Like, it's, like, God, like, what would it be like if they didn't have God? Is sort of, like, the, <laughs> I mean, it's, like, so yeah. ridiculous in hindsight, but it's, right. like, Man, oh, it's so. I mean, if I if I didn't have the Lord, man, I who knows what I'd be doing. You know what I mean? It's like fuck. But it's the other way around. It's totally the other way around. Man. So my yeah, no, that's what I think is funny with the whole repression, right? Is yeah. like they're like, if you have God, then you'll be fine. And I'm like, I had God, I was not yeah. fine. Yeah, exactly. It, but it creates what I call like predatory repression. And there was mm. a guy, um, you it's know, he was a, a youth phrase. pastor in my area, and I, like, he even like 
my youth group did stuff with his youth groups and he was kind of like a youth leader whenever I was in youth group, but he had me over to his house. Uh, I don't know if I've talked about this on the air. This is during my deconstruction. He brought me over to his house so I can, he could talk to me about my, about what I was going through with the church abuse and everything was trying to be there as like a Christian to be nice and helpful for me and all of this. And so I came over, uh, we had steak and wine. I was out and gay at this time. And, uh, I just thought he was a Christian that cared like the only Christian who invited me over to their house mm. that came out and cared. I go mm-hmm. over there and, you know, after we eat, he, we go upstairs and he tries to put his hand down my pants or on my pants. It's on my crotch. And I'm just like, what the fuck am I going to do here? Because I had no clue that he was gay. I mean, yeah. he's 40 something wow. years old. He's super wealthy, really well known has done Christian concert lighting for Carmen, Stephen Curtis Chapman, um, Melissa Etheridge, Star Wars, all these big names. He's like a multimillionaire and kind of a big deal. And here he is like trying to make a pass at me, uh, knowing that he's been a youth child, like a, a youth minister to me. And that was the, the context of our friendship. No clue that he was gay until he had his hand on my, on my crotch, you know? Um, and then I get up and I leave and I became vocal about that story and the churches that he's friends with immediately covered it up and, and made me out to be a liar. And uh, I had friends who like their families still went to that church and they came back to me and they're like, those motherfuckers are are saying this shit about you. And it makes us so mad because they knew that it was the truth. But it's that same predatory repression that when you don't allow somebody to be themselves, you are allowed, you said, Layton, you're creating a fucking monster and it's, it's not going to be healthy for anybody when that monster gets unleashed. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, the predatory kind of stories, like we don't hear them too, right? Because there's so much shame that people usually feel or like, why would you want to tell anybody that story? You know, like, 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 I mean, if you're a Christian struggling and trying your hardest, you're like, I don't want to tell anybody that I almost got taken advantage of. Like, mm. it's just, I, I don't know. I, I think about, you know, we're hearing things about the Catholic church now, but I think there's probably a lot of stories out there in which people have been put into quote unquote dangerous predatory situations that didn't maybe amount to much, but they were still in those situations, right? Yeah. Like, mm, yeah. even if they weren't assaulted or raped, like, if an attempt was made and no consent was given in any kind of way, or like, to see people repressing and then acting out in these kind of stranger ways that should be accepted if everything went normal, right? Like, if we had discussion and dinner and there yeah. was talk and that guy told you, Brady, like... I want to be intimate with you in some kind of way and, you know, started conversation, things right. would have been very different totally right. Different. out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's out of nowhere. There's not consent. Yeah. And it's, you, you can't take the responsibility and the consequences of being honest and who you are then on down that line that that's going to be difficult for you and work it out, work it out. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it goes without saying, obviously, but like when I say don't repress your sexuality, I don't mean like don't you can't control your sexuality. You know what I mean? Like, like there's a big difference between repression and self control, right? So it's like consent is obviously extremely important, like way more important than you know whatever your you know sexual desires you're experiencing at a given time. But you like, just become like the Hulk sexually. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean that's what happens when you, you repress. Won't like me when I'm horny. You become the you be, yeah. The Hulk is the repression. The, the Hulk is the repression <laughs> dude. 
for sure. That's what comes out. So, Leighton, you, uh, whew, that was heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, let's, I don't know where to let's, go. Let's take a breather. Let's take yeah. a breather. So, what what led you out of the faith, and how and how are you? How how did you how did you go about rebuilding? Let's let's start there. Okay. Um, you know, I think so. I came out and I started dating a guy, and we were actually both gay Christians, um, quote unquote, kind of thing. Like we started going to like a Presbyterian or no, mm. he, sorry, he worked at a Presbyterian church and we went to a, an Episcopal church. Mm-hmm. And during that time, that's really when I started to kind of deconstruct because I was like, okay, I'm gay and I'm out. What the hell do I believe and how do I fit the Bible into my beliefs? How do I fit Christianity into my beliefs? <laughs> Christian, not giving up Christianity was not an option in my mind. It was right. just not like, it's, it's like, I believe in God. I've always believed in God. There's nothing else. And so I kind of just went down like a checklist of things like that I would talk about with one of my friends who, um, went to seminary and he dropped out and he was actually deconverting at the same time I was. But it's funny because neither of us put a label on it. Like we're just having conversations and talking about, you know, miracles in the Bible. We're like, yep. Okay. I don't believe that one. And then like, <laughs> right, <laughs> like, yeah. like pretty, pretty sure that that didn't happen or something. So I, I don't take that part of the Bible seriously. Okay. I don't take this part of the Bible seriously. Okay. Gender roles. Okay. Sexuality. Um, and then we got into like, the historical uh, inaccuracies of the Bible or like parts that are included that probably shouldn't be according to historians. Right. So like I really started from a kind of analytical space with my friend and he really pointed me to uh, the ex-Christian subreddit. Um, which uh, That's how I found you guys podcast actually is on the ex-Christian hey, subreddit. And I, I went to like Hot damn. a, biblical scholar reddit thing or something in which a lot of people just posted questions and ideas i started to listen to people and read things so i just really actually started to dive into all of my doubts that i was like scared to sure, dive yeah. into mm. for the first time and since i came out like i i think after i came out no one really knew what I believed because they didn't know how to make sense of a gay Christian in their head. And so in a way it was okay f- for me to not know what I believed also and to figure that out. Cause I like, no one expected like an answer from me, it, but it felt really strange. Like I, I had to go down the checklist, like I said, and it was just after a while, I'm checking so many things off the list that I'm like, okay, well, I don't know if I believe in the Trinity. There's Unitarians and they exist. Wow, yeah. Um, that it just became, why do I need the Bible? Um, in the first place, do I believe in yeah. God? Is, is what I see and believe about God representative in my life? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mm-hmm. talked about that a little bit earlier of like, the characteristics of God that people are telling me, do I see that in reality? Like, do mm-hmm. I see that to be true? Like when, when God intervenes in people's lives in the Bible, why is he not intervening in my life in the same way? Like it seems that always seemed really strange to me of not feeling like God was there in some kind of capacity. Big time. And so that's really when I started to not believe that he's there. Mm. Mm. Well, it makes sense. I mean, that's a, one of the critical thinking skills is, does this work for everyone? 
you know, and if you right. take your mindset and if it doesn't work for everyone, you have to start questioning. Um, mm-hmm. Because one thing with like when people are trying to get me to come back to the faith or to be more of like a liberal Christian, I'm hearing the things that they say and they're saying, well, no, humanism or this sort of like caring about people or being accepting of LGBT people, that's really what God is like. But then looking at it, the Bible, it's like, but your religion's based on this. How did this become the opposite of this? Mm-hmm. But then to say that, oh, well, that was the plan from all the beginning. That's like the South saying that, oh, no, they were actually anti Anti-slavery came. Anti-slavery came from the South. You know, really, it's (laughs) the real. And so, no, you, you, you have to critically think about those things and really put it together. Because, yeah, if there was some like really big miracles or evidence that you're trying to cover up, that's one thing. But we're literally not doing that to anything. Yeah, I hadn't (laughs) thought about denominations really. Like I. I had been in lots of non-denominational churches. I had been in uh, a Baptist one. I had been in um, an Acts 29 church plant at one point. Yeah, I I, I went to the village in Denton, Texas for a time. (gasps) Oh my God, a friend of mine went there. Matt Chandler and all that. You know, like Matt, I was going to say, a lot lot of Christians know who Matt Chandler is. And yeah, that's basically the church I went Mm. to for a long time. Um, you know, this is that's what I really like about your your record is that it it's like a it's sort of like a deconstruction catch all. It's like I mean you got you have so many good lines about like the the things that go through your head when you're a doubting Christian or uh, when you're deconstructing. And it's like yeah. if if you claim this, then why is this? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it, and a lot of them are just like basic, logical things that you should come to conclusions sh- or, you know, you're going to come across. And yeah. that is what I wanted to do with the album is, uh, I mean, I don't think any, I think people and artists have made songs about deconstruction in some way or kind of losing faith. I think it gets really like uh, poetic and airy and kind of open for way more broad interpretation sure, for a lot yeah. of artists though. And I was like, no, I'm going to say like everything that is on my mind that yeah, I've yeah. always wanted to say for I like a yeah. year. And it's, I also think like I wasn't always in, I wasn't always deconstructing while writing the song. Like I was thinking back and being like, what questions was I asking at this time? Like I wanted each song to be about kind of a different moment or something, you know, like hmm. where you're just really harping on like one song is literally just about um, this idea of like going to funerals while deconverting and thinking about life and death and what that means for different hmm. people. If you yeah. don't believe in God um, and if you're just doubting at the time, uh, you know, the other one is like about sexuality and how do I define that uh, without this definition? biblical definition of uh, male and female as seen in the Bible, that kind of thing, and pretending to <laughs> be straight for a really long time just sure. dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it goes across a lot of spectrums on the album, which was the goal. Um, and they're all spectrums that I experienced. Oh, my God, I really yeah, yeah, related like to this very, album so much. Very relatable. Well, uh Nightlighter. 
T.D. Jakes, man. Okay. Uh, yeah, the album's unloose. It's, uh, it is, I mean, I, I guess we'll stop. Baller? Can we'll I stop say baller? Up. Yeah, we'll can call I pull it baller. Off, can I pull off baller? You can say baller. Yeah, that's all yes. right, Brady. You can say baller. Um, I feel like I just got Twitter verified. It's also on, ba- it's also on Bandcamp. Um, uh, yeah, you can download it for free if you go to it on Bandcamp. If you're a person that likes to download music, go right. to Spotify, iTunes, it's even on Amazon. It's pretty much everywhere you find music. Awesome. Uh, Leighton Pustyovsky. Leighton Pustyovsky. Nightlighter. Nightlighter. Leighton Pustyovsky. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was there good. There you go. Yeah, I like it. Leighton Pustyovsky. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show yeah dude this is so much fun thanks for being on the show oh yeah it's my pleasure really thank you for having me on um well just a little cleaning house listeners uh you know subscribing really puts us on the map and helps new find uh new listeners find us so please do that subscribing rate review uh and you know get on our facebook groups and stuff yeah, we have a private Facebook group if you're going through processing your deconstruction or if you've been deconstructed for 20 years. You can come hang out, uh, talk to people, hear some other stories, talk about whatever you're struggling with, and it's a safe safe space. Layton's on there. Um, I am. And he's, uh, he's contributed quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, come hang, out with the, come hang out with the cool kids on, <laughs> on the secret Facebook group, which you can find by uh, just searching our... Everybody knows uh, the, how to find things now. We're millennials in the 2019. Life after, the Life After Secret group, right? Like, we don't need to tell people, oh, here's where you can find podcasts anymore. If you all don't know where to find podcasts... Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> Go call PBS and still see if they're making if that Frontier like, House. Maybe you it could like be on the next Red season Gump. of Frontier House. <laughs> Oh, I've got to go draw some water. Yeah, you big loser, because you don't know how to get a podcast. <laughs> He's been listening to too much angry hip hop. Yeah, right. Jesus. Actually, I kind of feel like I'm doing a John Lovett thing right now. This is yeah, weird. A little we bit. need to get off this. We need to get off here. Um, hey, remember, if you don't go to church, Sunday is just, just a, a second, second Saturday.
giving the fuck for the spread Headed to hell in my bed If living is lying down then I'd rather be dead They said our thoughts are dangerous Nobody's can